It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. A gorgeous young 25-year-old nurse goes missing on her routine jog. What happened to Sydney? What happened to Sydney? I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. Take a listen to our friends at CrimeOnline.com. Sydney Sutherland, a 25-year-old mom and a registered nurse, works at a medical center in Newport, Arkansas. On the afternoon of August 19th, she goes for a jog, something she does on a regular basis. Sydney even has a regular route that she follows near her home. A UPS driver reports seeing Sydney during her jog between 2.30 and 3 p.m. that afternoon. But that was the last time anyone reports seeing her. Later that evening, a call comes into authorities. Sydney Sutherland's car keys and other belongings are at her house. But Sydney is gone. Guys, again, thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Series XM 111. As I was listening to Dave Mack at CrimeOnline.com, a million thoughts were cascading through my mind, colliding from a regular route. She worked at the medical center. Did she have a routine time that she jogged? When the UPS driver spotted her, like in school buses and other vehicles, was there video? Can we pinpoint the time she was spotted? Her car keys at home. What does that mean? Was the car key to her vehicle or her apartment with her somewhere. I used to, and still do, put my car key or the house key interwoven in my shoelaces when I go run. Did she do that? What do each of these things mean, if anything? With me, an all-star panel to break it down and put it back together again. First of all, renowned defense attorney, practicing throughout, across the country, but joining us today from New York, Jason Oceans. New York psychologist joining me from Manhattan. You know her well, and you can find her at KarenStark.com. Donald Schweitzer, former L.A. detective. I like that. Criminal defense attorney. Don't like that. And you can find him at PasadenaLawOffice.com. And he's now the star of an awesome podcast called Exhibit A with me. Death investigator Joseph Scott Morgan, professor of forensics, Jacksonville State University, and author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon, now the star of a new program, Poisonous Liaisons on True Crime Network. But first, Teray Caputo, lead news anchor for WDBO Orlando. Ray Caputo, first of all, what do we know about this beautiful girl? You can see her photo at crimeonline.com. Sydney Sutherland. 
Well, Nancy Sydney, she's 25 years old. She was a, a homegrown Southern girl. She was a nurse. She grew up not far from where she was living at the time, went to Tucker, Tuckerman High School. Uh, basically, the way people describe her in the community, some of her friends, that everybody knew her. She was well-liked. Her family was well-liked. She had a boyfriend. I mean, she was just a young young woman and, uh, you know, doing her thing and going places. Now, hold on. You said uh, she, it was far from where she lived. Where did she live? She lived in Jackson County, Arkansas. Now, if you're an urban dweller like myself, you, you might be a little miffed that they really, like, she didn't even have an address. You know, you hear the the sheriff describing where she lived and it was on a road between Grubbs and Newport. And so she lived in a very remote part of Arkansas, a lot of farmland. You know, if you're ever flying above this in a clear day and you look down and you see all these rectangular mesmerizing patches of green and brown, I mean, that's really Jackson County where she lived. Very rural, very uh, like a farming community. Jackson County, Arkansas. Where is that in Arkansas? Do you know, Ray Caputo? Uh, I'm a, it's northeastern. Northeastern. I, I've been to Little Rock a lot, but nowhere else. So you're saying northeastern Arkansas, mostly rural? Yeah, it's near Jonesboro, that where Arkansas State University is. Ah, okay. Now, wait, 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 wait. How far is that from Arkansas State University? About 30, 40 minutes, it looks like, on a map. Okay, see, that's giving me a whole pool of potential kidnappers. Guys, this gorgeous young girl, Sydney Sutherland, age 25, Really beautiful lady, but also accomplished. She is a nurse, and she was first reported missing when she failed to return from an afternoon jog. Now, curious, and I, I thought about this a lot as um, I was writing my new book. I just got the galley. Here it is. Don't be a victim. Fighting back against America's crime wave. Staying safe while you're exercising and what got this on my mind jason oceans let me go to you because this is in your neck of the woods was karina vetrano and molly tibbetts karina vetrano jogging in long island she always went jogging with her dad who has now become a friend of mine uh phil vetrano and his beautiful wife the one day she didn't jog jog with her dad who had been a firefighter she disappears and that made me curious about, do you jog at the same time of the day? Do you always take the same route? Do you tell anybody you're going? Uh, if you always take the same route, people start knowing when and where you're going to jog and how to find you. Jason, do you remember the Karina Vetrano case? Um, I'm quite familiar with it. Uh, it, uh, it took place, as you said, you know, functionally Long Island in, in the uh, in the section of Brooklyn and Queens where uh, there's beautiful area beautiful right area, by the water natural right by the water inlet from uh, Jamaica Bay from the Atlantic Ocean it's, it's quite beautiful to run um, so I am I am familiar with the case and uh, you know and, and the end result and you raised the great questions all at once about you know the same time and who you're with and, and kind of get known to somebody who's observing you talked about kidnapping i mean those are the things that are telltale and of course the consistency of where you run in your route who sees you on that route that could also be comforting but yes all those great questions and and what happened in the uh karina vetrano case when she karina karina when she deviated yeah. from and her uh her, her regular routine with her dad right. and then there's molly tibbetts who always ran 
about the same time in the same location. Now, interesting in Karina Vitrano, the fact that she ran in the same place around the same time very often had nothing to do with her kidnapper, her killer. He happened to be there. Chanel Lewis, he happened to be there. He had been in the neighborhood before trying to break into houses. He happened to be there and see her and go into some rage. Um, you know, Donald Schweitzer, former L.A. detective, now criminal defense attorney at PasadenaLawOffice.com. Donald, when you look, when you examine the scenario, uh, the same place, same time, every day, runs like clockwork. That actually makes it easier to identify a suspect because you think, who's in that area? Like the U UPS guy always drives that area. Uh, like neighbors, people that are delivering back and forth there. Maybe a bus goes by. Maybe she passes a particular grocery store. What's even harder, Donald, and you explain why, is when it's random. Yeah, you know, in this particular case, she's in a in a farming in, uh, community, and the population is uh, small. Uh, everybody knows it, you know each other, and it is uh, more difficult because then you've got a database of you know large communities, you know possibly the state. You know, uh, if it's random, you have uh, to go on physical evidence that may or may not tie to. DNA or, or anything like that. Yeah, so Donald Schweitzer is right. Much more difficult when it's random. Would you agree or disagree, Joe Scott Morgan? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It is uh, so much more, particularly when you have a large population base uh, to choose from. But, you know, Nancy, I got to tell you, in, in this particular case, we're talking about cotton country. That's that's where this happened. This is part of the Mississippi Delta region for farming. And I've been to this area. I have generations of family that actually live just south of this area. And when you when you stand, it's not like standing in a mountainous region. When you look out over this area and you're flat-footed, you can see for miles and miles and miles and miles of nothing but fields. And, you know, this area where she was jogging, Nancy, these are not improved roads necessarily. They're actually referred to as county roads. And she was on one called 41 when she was last seen and intersected with a a state highway, which was 18. But again, these are only two lane roads. Listen, this is not a place you wind up in by accident. You have to be purposed. You have to be, you have to know the area in order to wind up here. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Guys, we're talking about Sydney Sutherland, just 25 years old, gorgeous young girl, already had her nursing degree, already working at a very vibrant medical center. Her boyfriend, also in the medical profession, take a listen to our friend, Jackson County Sheriff David Lucas. Hey, we received a call yesterday afternoon, uh, late, that uh, uh, Sydney Sutherland was missing. We started out, got to scene, and uh, we've been working pretty much all night. We did finally break it down about two o'clock this morning, just for safety concerns because of the darkness. Uh, got started back this morning between 7:30 and 8. Um, we've had multiple agencies uh, show up and offer assistance. We've had Jonesboro PD, Truman PD, Newport PD. Uh, Tucker Moon, State Police, U.S. Marshals, FBI, pretty much the whole gamut. And uh, 
they're currently on scene right now helping out with that. We're looking at not only on the ground, uh, we've had uh, uh, air searches also from uh, survival flight out of Baseville. They brought two helicopters over this morning. Arkansas State Police brought their chopper out last night and again this morning. Uh, they're currently flying grid searches now. I'm going to go into what is a grid search, but all of this is about 25-year-old missing Sydney Sutherland. To you, Karen Stark, New York psychologist, joining us. You can find her at karenstarkwithac.com. Karen, the fact that she works at a very, very busy medical center. Now, yes, she lived and, and was running out in a very rural area, but as you just heard, I believe it was Ray Caputo telling us uh, from WDBO that there was a university nearby, that means a college town, and she worked at a medical center, and even though it was rural, the medical center doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that it is small, because, for instance, where I grew up, Everybody in middle Georgia would come to those two hospitals. So while it's in a rural area, it services a huge swath of country. So that means that's a big medical center. Let me ask you, what does that mean for the search for who took her? That she works at a big medical center. It makes it a lot more complicated, which is what I think you're pointing out, Nancy, because there are Instead of we're only talking about a small town, you have to consider then a lot of people that are coming from different places. And the reason that's important is there's a possibility that somebody had a fixation on her, that they really were after her, they were looking at her, they were watching her. And then you take that and you add it to the same route every day, the same time, and it makes it a lot easier for something horrific to happen to this particular woman, which is terrible. And, you know, I, I address that in this book, and this took me so long to research and write because, Karen, actually, you guys, several of you joining me today were on the cases with me that we investigated and tried to solve. A lot of them are the ones I tried and investigated. Many of them are the ones I covered where people go out at the same time, take the same route, they're basically begging, hey, notice me, here I am, you can find me so easily, because it happens. On the other hand, for our lives, for instance, when I get through with work, or before I pick the twins up from school, or while supper is on the stove, that's a time when you have a 45-minute segment where you can go exercise, preferably outside. So what are we supposed to do? Stop our lives, Karen Stark, because there might be some perv yeah. out there? I mean, this woman was, worked yeah. like a dog as a nurse. So what is she supposed to do? Be hypervigilant, Nancy. I think that it's really important if you're somebody who's in a situation like that, and I, I hate to say it, but it's really true. When you're wearing exercise classes, uh, exercise clothes, that's appealing. It's, it makes you stand out if you're a young woman. You, need you know to what, Karen Stark? I never careful. thought I would hear that from you. What do you want me to wear a burqa while I try to run up a hill? No. Hypervigilance, Nancy. Hyper. I'm not saying well, change what you wear. I'm saying. Well, what were you so saying then, Karen Stark? Don't be, don't have your headphones on so that you can't. You were talking about what you wear. Well, that's just, I'm, 
I wasn't saying don't wear right. it. I was well, saying uh, it's like a beacon. It shows a young woman. It shows her body. So she has to be especially careful. She needs to know who's around her. Well, you know what? You're right that she has to be especially careful. And being careful, she took with her, I believe, her iPhone to Ray Caputo. It's my understanding that she took her iPhone and was wearing an Apple Watch. Is that right, Ray Caputo, WDBO, Orlando? Yeah, Nancy. She had both of those devices on, and both of them have the ability to track GPS location. They gather geolocational data, and um, so that's a really good thing that she did have both of those devices on. And as a matter of fact, take a listen to our new friend, Jackson County Sheriff David Lucas. We have, the only thing we know of right now is we have a confirmed sighting of her at around between 2.30 and 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon uh, in the area of uh, Jackson County Road 41, which is just north and kind of west of her residence. Uh, she was on foot out walking and jogging. Um, we received that information uh, from a UPS driver this morning that saw her. Um, we're kind of concentrating on that general area because with the phone pings that we've been getting from AT&T plus the information from the people that said they saw her, it's pretty much going to be in that general area and that's where we're concentrating the most right now. Uh, we're not ruling anything out. Okay, let me understand this about the UPS driver. Do you guys, Jason Oceans, again, a lot of crime in your neck of the woods. The missing Connecticut mom of five, Jennifer Dulos, in the search for the truth about her husband, Fotis Dulos, killing her, and the girlfriend, his lover, Michelle Traconis, being part of the scheme, I was looking at how the police and investigators pieced together the husband's route the morning she goes missing after dropping her children off at 8 a.m. at school. Man, they had it down. They had video at the school. They had video uh, from businesses as the his car would go by, going to her place where she was, then leaving. They even had school bus video. It was bus video. I think it was school bus. When the doors opened, video showed Fotis Dulos going by in his car. I was amazed at the way they pieced together his travel route that morning, ending up, as I recall, at a gas at a car wash where he was trying to clean his car out. Right. It was it was a, it was a full reel, Nancy. It was pretty amazing. Oh, it was incredible. Outstanding. I mean, they they literally almost had like no gap time in there, so small when they picked it up. So I'm wondering about this UPS driver. Hey, Jack, look that up. Whether UPS drivers have video cams in their cars, that is pretty sensational if they do. Yeah, front-mounted, you know, for litigation purposes in car accidents or, or inside. Like yep. Ubers. Yep, exactly. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's smart to do. And, you know, you, you do look in a more rural area, and uh, pretty awesome that uh, that UPS driver uh, took notice of that. I kind of think maybe uh, some of them do in, uh, in more urban areas where accidents are more prevalent as opposed to a rural area, just like having CCTV. I mean, think about it. Joe Scott Morgan, professor of forensics. When I go jogging, I see the same people 
every time, especially the ones coming toward me, walking or running or walking the same dogs or with the same children. I, I, I feel like I know them, although I don't know all their names. Uh, not as usual procedure. So they don't have video. So he must have identified her by seeing her. Right, Joe Scott? Of course he did, Nancy. More than likely, this is this guy's common route. I, I would even venture to say that he's probably delivered to a residence at some point in time. These guys don't vary their routes, particularly in these rural areas. And, you know, look, he sees her jogging. Like I said earlier, this is a county road. It's narrow. He has to physically probably drive drive around her to stay clear of her so he doesn't hit her. He's probably seen her a number of times. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Guys, we're talking about a, a beautiful missing woman, Sydney Sutherland, just 25 years old, already uh, an accomplished nurse with an awesome job out jogging. Uh, take a listen to our new friend, Jackson County Sheriff David Lucas. She normally goes out for a walk, and she walks a certain area out there and kind of makes a loop, and that's what she was doing yesterday. That's what was reported to us. So County Road 41, 43, 41, 42, 43, Highway 18, that kind of that general loop right there is where she normally walks. Okay. Uh, what was her family situation? Uh, her and her, I believe it's her boyfriend, lived together there at the house. Uh, we have no indications of, of, of any problems. Uh, we've been in communication with him and her mom and her brother and her dad and, and all indications that we're getting is the family situation was fine. Um, they've, they've been out every second with us. Um, so we, we really don't, we don't, we're not looking at that as far as, uh, of course, we're not going to rule anything out at this point. You know what, why is it, Karen Stark, that we always look at the live-in, the boyfriend, the fiancé, the husband first? Well, that's pretty clear, Nancy. It usually turns out statistically that it's the person who is closest to the victim that you want to investigate because it usually isn't a stranger as much as we might imagine that there's this unknown person coming out of nowhere. Many times it's the person that they know best or somebody around them. And that's why they're looking into that. What about a Donald Schweitzer? Why always look at the live in or the love interest first? Yeah, I, I think that uh, statistically uh, it is true that most of the time, that's you know where where to look. You know that that's uh, uh, where you're going to find the suspect. But I think there's other areas to look too, and that is is the sexual predator databases if they have such in this rural area. I'm sure that they do because they these predators exist everywhere. So you know, not only looking at the uh, immediate family members and or in the boyfriend or anybody else that might be a logical place to look. A real good place to look is to see if there's anybody in the area that's had encounters with the police or who has been stopped, you know, hanging out, you know, where they shouldn't hang out and, you know, uh, trying to find people like that. You know what? That's a really good point, Donald Schweitzer. And I'm trying to remember uh, the details of a case we covered. Maybe you guys will remember it for me. Uh, I always called her the girl in the pink hat. It was Jessica Lunsford. That's who it was. And she went missing. It turned out a registered sex offender lived catty corner from the family, but nobody knew he was a registered sex offender. And he took the little girl and murdered her, her dad, Mark Lunsford, to this day broken up about it horribly. 
you're so right. And uh, many would argue defense attorneys like yourself, Donald Schweitzer, may argue, well, you're stereotyping. Oh, H-E-L-L, no, I'm not. Because when you don't know a horse, you say the rest. Look, you look at the track record. Uh, you got a registered sex offender. And isn't it true, Joe Scott Morgan, Donald Schweitzer pointed out it's a great place to look once you look at boyfriend, lover, husband, ex, registered sex offenders. You can go to crimeonline.com and hit our uh, predator map and see your zip code and see how many sex predators registered are in your zip code. Joe Scott Morgan, isn't the stat something like for every time a predator is caught, they've already offended about 100 times that we think of, that we know of? Yeah, and they continue to, to, you know, to perpetrate even after they've been interdicted by law enforcement over and over again. There's another group of people that you have to consider here, Nancy. One of the key things that you brought up is the fact that this, this young lady is a nurse. And nurses deal in a very critical area. You have to understand also in law enforcement, they're going to want to look into her background at the hospital. What area does she practice in? Is she an emergency room nurse? Is she a psychiatric nurse? Is she on a med surge? Or is she a surgical nurse? Who really knows? But who, who did she come in contact with? Was somebody, did she, if she's an ER nurse, for instance, Nancy, uh, you know, who passed through those doors? Did she exactly. make somebody angry? This sort of thing. You got to look at that as well. Or did somebody get a crush on her and then suddenly a crack in the case? Take a listen to Hunter Hoagland, K-A-R-K-4 News. They recovered Sutherland's phone about a quarter mile from her home earlier today. Now, I talked to friends of the family who say this whole thing has them searching for answers. As the sun sets, the clock is ticking. We'll never stop searching. No one has seen or heard from Sydney Sutherland in more than a day after she went running down this road, leaving behind pain at the crossroads. We're just really upset about it all. From eyes in the sky to eyes on the ground, Felicia Drake is searching for the girl she watched grow up. It was just devastating. I just thought about her mother and how, you know, how she felt and how it would be awful, you know, not to be able to find your daughter. Everybody, obviously everybody loves her. I mean, you can tell by all the people that's out looking for her. Sutherland, 5'3", brown eyes, blonde hair, was wearing this when she vanished in the middle of the afternoon. You're definitely going to be looking over your shoulder everywhere you go and not going anywhere alone anymore. Volunteers working around the clock, saying they'll never quit looking until Sydney Sutherland finds the road that leads back home. We just want to find her. Guys, uh, that helps and hurts because out to you, Donald Schweitzer, former L.A. detective, now defense attorney, Donald Schweitzer, to find her cell phone, it hurts because if she still had it with her and it was turned on, you could ping to her. But it helps to show that most likely that is where she was kidnapped unless the scene was staged unless someone took her and threw her cell phone out. How likely is that in this scenario, that it was staged? Well, you never know. I mean, I think that we'd be completely speculating if we felt that we knew that the answer to that question. But um, I, if I were on the scene, I would be hoping and praying that we found where it had happened because then, uh, you know, we have possibly, you know, the time, the, the phone might have some type of a record as to the uh, the time that it happened, and you know you indicated earlier that there was an Apple Watch 
uh, you know, and I don't know if they found it at the scene, probably not. And I'm just wondering if the phone is still connected somehow to the Apple Watch or if there's a way to trace it right. like that. Yep, 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 yep. You're right, Donald Schweitzer. And to you, Joseph Scott Morgan, the fact that her phone was left there, you, I believe you can look at a phone. Like if we, we have uh, Live 360, and I can tell where everybody's phone is and how long it's been there, you know, in the perfect world. So you could tell how long the phone had been laying there. Now, very often uh, you, you, we see where the scene has been staged. That means it's somebody connected to her. A random killer doesn't bother to stage the scene. But I have seen cases where the person is kidnapped and the phone is thrown out somewhere. I don't think that's likely here because she was going out to run and she had on her jogging clothes. I mean, hold on, hold on, Joe Scott. Ray Caputo, I'm looking at a photo that the family shared. It's from ring footage from a family member believed to be the last photo taken of Sydney just 90 minutes before she went for her run. She has on, it looks like a jogging bra with a ta white tank top over it and blue jogging pants and pink shoes with her hair back. That tells me this wasn't stage. She had on running clothes and the phone was found on a regular running route. What about it? Joe Scott. Well, I have to say, Nancy, you know, the what Don was saying just a moment ago about the, the watch and the phone being tethered together, I think that's kind of interesting. If the phone was just laying there, it gives us an indication that maybe she was just suddenly snatched off of the road. And one more thing I'd like to, to bring to your attention here is the fact that if, in fact, she was using her phone as, say, for a media device where she's listening as she's jogging, she's not even going to have an awareness that anybody's coming up on her. I use my phone all the time when I work out. I can't hear thunder while I have the things in my ears. So that might also uh, come into play. As then well. why do you keep doing it, Joe Scott? <laughs> because I exercise inside of my house, Nancy. Oh. But you, you may not be able to hear your wife creeping up behind you with a frying pan. I'm just saying, uh, guys... We're talking about the disappearance of a beautiful young girl, beautiful Sydney Sutherland, who dedicated her life to helping other people as a registered nurse. Then the investigation in the past hours has just taken a turn. Take a listen to our friend Katie Woodall at KAIT Region 8 News Cut 9. Those close to Sydney confirming just a few minutes ago that the body discovered today was hers. This is coming from Sydney's boyfriend's parents. They said the family was told the body discovered today was Sydney's. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. The news just confirmed in the last hours that the body of Sydney Sutherland has been found. Even more disturbing, cops discover that she had been working out at a Jonesboro gym earlier that day. So now they have a new line of investigation did someone see her at the gym and follow her? You know, uh, Ray Caputo, lead news anchor WDBO Orlando, 
as Joe Scott Morgan said, this is in the middle of hundreds of miles of cotton farms and other farms. The perp could have come from anywhere and gone anywhere. So now we have to look at forensic possibilities. What do we know about the discovery of Sydney's body? Well, Nancy, it was found really not far from where she lived, uh, I think less than a, about a quarter of a mile, um, and in the vicinity of where her cell phone was. We know that investigators had started honing in very early on, on this er in this area, and it wasn't just deputies and law enforcement. We had people out from the community and ATVs, uh, helicopters, as you heard. So they, they had ended up finding her body. It was buried, and it appeared she was strangled. She was beaten. Then there was a sexual assault that had taken place, and it was all about a quarter mile. Whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Strangled, beaten, sex assault. This reminds me so much of Teresa Hallback, the amateur photographer, well, professional photographer, who was working for a penny pincher type magazine, who was murdered, was raped, murdered, burned by Stephen Avery. It went on to be a media darling when people suggested he and his nephew did not do the crime. That tells me a lot. Joseph Scott Morgan, she's sex assaulted, raped, strangled. What does that tell you about the identity of the killer? He knew her. He knew her, Nancy. It had been in her in her circle. I have to assume that. And also he he buried her body. So that means he took he took a lot of time. Nancy, it takes time. This is somebody that was comfortable with the environment, had the ability, had the tools at hand. He has to have a shovel or something to dig the hole with, and he has to feel comfortable in the environment in which he did this. So this is a very intimate type of event that went on, obviously, because it's a sexual assault. But this person knew her. Yes, this person knew her. Agree or disagree, Jason Ocean is joining us out of New York. Uh, knew her or did not know her based on the degree the killer went to to hide her body no this was uh yeah, planned and uh and, and purposeful in every which way just uh just as mentioned uh intimate with the area the knowledge the tools all prepared um a very very violent intimate act how do you determine a cause of death so at autopsy one of the things that's going to happen is as the body is opened and you use the tools to kind of reflect the neck or open up the neck, you will, uh, you're going to see focal areas of hemorrhage. That, that's those spotty areas of hemorrhage that you're going to have in these muscles along the windpipe. And that's going to give you an indication that there was pressure applied, enough pressure, enough pressure uh, in order to render a hemorrhage in that area. And also one of the things, if the eyes were not destroyed, and I hate to be this graphic, you might also see particular hemorrhages, which most of the time are associated with asphyxial deaths as well. The body of Sydney Sutherland found she had been raped and strangled. Ray Caputo joining me, lead news anchor WDBO Orlando. Where again did you tell me her body was discovered? Her body was discovered in a field that's about a quarter of a mile from her home and also a quarter of a mile from 
uh, I believe it's Route 67 or County Road 60. So one of those big highways that kind of cuts diagonal through the county. But I mean, long story short is there wasn't a lot of people that lived around here. So there wasn't a lot of people to see things. In, in fact, I don't want to sound ominous, but uh, if Sydney was screaming at the top of her lungs when all this happened, there's a good chance that not a single soul hurt her aside from the person attacking her. And then a development in the case in the last hours. Take a listen to this. The sheriff confirming just a short while ago that the suspect is in custody. Whose, the suspect's name has not been released, but we can confirm that the suspect is a man, that he's a farmer, and that he's from the Jonesboro area. The arrest coming after more than two days of searching for 25-year-old Sydney Sutherland. Now, going back to the, some video that we captured earlier tonight, uh, this is believed to be the scene of where the 25-year-old's body was found, which is a little north of Sutherland's home. We, we locked down that entire area. Um, everything was combed for evidence. Um, as far as what evidence was discovered and where, I, I can't really elaborate. Um, but the whole area, we shut it down and locked it down. The sheriff says the man has been booked and will face some kind of homicide charge. A suspect in custody, but who? Take a listen to Mitch McCoy, Fox 16 News. An Arkansas State Police Special Agent testified today that Quake Llewellyn apparently confessed to investigators uh, that he had killed her and then uh, led investigators to her body. He was wearing a bulletproof vest when he was taken into the Jackson County Courthouse. Take a listen. Do you have anything to say? Did you kill Sydney Sutherland? During the hearing, authorities testified that Llewellyn was driving on County Road 41, saw Sidney Sutherland walking, and drove by. Investigators say he turned around, abducted her, and put her in the back of a pickup truck and sexually assaulted her. State police saying that Llewellyn then buried the body on a farm. I asked the prosecutors if he plans on pursuing the death penalty. I think it's premature to to declare what the state's direction will be on that. Capital murder only carries two punishments. That's life without and death. And at this point, both are still on the table. Straight back at you, Ray Caputo, lead news anchor for WDBO Orlando. Is it true that the alleged killer was named in the Farming Family of the Year? That, that's correct. Uh, the Jackson County Family Farming of the Year, I believe it was 2016. It was a well-known family of farmers, and uh, Quake was a third-generation farmer, even though he worked for the family. Apparently, he did have his own farm. It was a guy who knew the farmland well. He knew the, the geography well in the area. To Joe Scott Morgan, are you surprised? No, not at all. In a small community like this, these people have met, Nancy, trust me. He knows her. He's seen her. Matter of fact, he's probably driven by while she's out on her, you know, daily walk or run. That's when he noticed her. I'm sure she probably does this like clockwork, Nancy. And he's driven by. He's seen her. They probably grew up together, moved around the same circles. In rural communities, you do that. And that's what happened here. That's how he identified. Karen Stark, New York psychologist, joining us from Manhattan. How is it, Karen? What, what, triggers in the mind you see someone growing up probably going to the same high schools together see her jogging every day in that one day you decide to kill her 
Well, I don't believe it's just one day, Nancy. I feel like this guy had an obsession. He was obsessed with her. He imagined this whole scenario. It was something that he played out repeatedly, particularly since we know this was her route. This is what she did. And so it's no surprise to me that one day he could not hold back anymore and decided that this is what he was going to do. It was all there in his head. It was nothing that, in my opinion, was spontaneous about this. So while it may seem spontaneous, he was just driving by and abducted her suddenly. When Karen Stark explains it that way, it's not spontaneous at all. We wait as justice unfolds. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. (laughs) 